0: What I hope you'll do as I read through the story um, is not look at this as some kind of a a, a ritzy uh, kind of uh, angelic type uh, plastic people story, but this is a real story in real people's lives and, and try to enter into it as best you can. We're reading verses 1 through 20. Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Kyrianus was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. In order to register along with Mary was engaged to him and was with child, it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby, wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. And they came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went away, went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they'd heard and seen, just as He told them. "Since Christmas began, one word has fallen on the lips and from the lips, probably more than any other. Maybe you've not really stopped to even think about what word that was. I don't think that word is joy. I don't think that word is food, although that's probably a close second. I think the word that's probably fallen from more people's lips than any other right now is the word "gift." Gift. You know, it's it's around malls, it's stores, children. I'm sure you've probably mentioned it several times. Gifts, and some gifts we we look for we we look for a gift that that maybe will encourage somebody. Will will maybe help them become a better person or a gift that may motivate them to uh, to better type of living those type of gifts they're very thoughtful gifts and 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 within the expression of the gift and the gift itself we just hope the person will be encouraged I went shopping and came across such a gift now our worship leader Jay I worry about Jay Uh, Jay's got the pressure of a husband and a father, worship leader. A business, right now is the busiest time. I worry about Jay, and I thought of Jay when we were shopping, me and the kids, and, and we thought, here's a gift for Jay, because we want the best for Jay. And, and this gift, Jay, I give it to in front of everybody because I want them to see the type of gift you give somebody when you want them to have the best. And so, Jay, here's, here's our prayer for you this next year that you'd be just chilling, okay? We're worried about you. So here you go. You don't have to wear it right now, but... I'll try you, it on. Yeah, I know. In family, when he starts getting stressed, say, Jay, put on the shirt, okay? Time for... There you go. There you go. Good. But that's not the only gift we found. Now you're nervous. We found another gift that sometimes you'll find a gift that's that it's just, that's the one. It's, it's it. It's the perfect gift. And I didn't realize that they made shirts for Julie Borg. <laughs> but they do. Julie's our secretary slash AV, slash, you name it, she can do anything. And when I first started here, I realized only a couple days in that there's something superhuman about Julie Borg. I found her shirt. This won't be a surprise, and Julie, don't feel you need to wear it today, but that would be good too. It's Wonder Woman. Right there. Come on, face the music. Is that not Julie? Is this not the perfect gift? Here, wear it proudly. There. Oh, good gifts. It's fun to give gifts, Uh, but maybe these are gifts you wouldn't want. I found a list of the worst gifts perhaps ever given. One husband gave his wife nicely wrapped Macy gift box with four extra large bags of jerky in it. (laughs) Hope he enjoys the couch. (laughs) A student once gave a teacher a large statue of a naked fertility goddess, and she said, that was awkward. I teach fourth grade. <laughs> one person received a mouse candle. It was glued to a real mouse trap. And when you, you lit the candle of the mouse, it started to melt all over the trap. That's a pretty disgusting thought. Um, this one person received underpants and a pair of hander pants that went on your hands. I don't know how that works, but uh, that's a weird gift. One person received a small box with three rolls of deodorant. Hope they got the hint. <laughs> One person received a cardboard box with firewood and a garlic braid. What do you do with that? One child lamented they received a gift card from Grandma with a twenty-four on it. One woman said, I received a box of chocolate, but there was a problem. When I opened it, half were gone and there were a bite out of several others. (laughs) That might have been in my house. I came across this unique gift. I don't get it, but the most expensive Blackberry case, $20,000, 42 diamonds. That's weird to me. How would you like to receive this gift? This gentleman received pants extenders. Ouch. 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 One wife received a broom and dustpan. One husband got hit with a broom. (laughs) Probably happened, huh? How about a toilet paper holder with a cell phone dock? That's probably more true than we realize it. One husband received an automatic twirling spaghetti fork. That's unique. And probably the most boring gift ever, with the least effort, is a pet rock that someone received. And a teenage girl was horrified when she opened a box that had grandma panties in it. And that was her present. There's some bad gifts out there. (laughs) This morning, though, we want to look at the best gift. The best gift ever given. And to consider this gift... It's found in one of the greatest verses ever of Christmas. It's not one you normally would go to. It's in 2 Corinthians 9.15, and the verse simply says this, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Indescribable. Other versions and paraphrases have tried to capture Paul's expression in English. The King James Version says, Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. The RSV says thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Living Bible says thanks be to God for a gift that's too wonderful for words. The Beck translation says thanks be to God for a gift that's more wonderful than we can tell. And Paul uses a word here that's found nowhere else in Scripture. Indescribable. It means too wonderful, too awesome for words. That's the gift we celebrate at Christmas. Now, I don't know if you caught it in Luke 2.7, but as Mary received this gift, she did what you do when you get a gift, you wrap it. She wrapped it carefully. She wrapped it in cloth. If this infant had simply been an ordinary conception, maybe been an ordinary infant, the world would not know this gift is indescribable. But the baby was undiminished deity and true humanity that existed together as God's supreme gift to us, a gift too wonderful for words. And let's revisit the nativity to look a little closer at this gift. How about the setting? Verse 1-3 through 3 has God's sovereignty stamped all over it. Maybe you've heard the account, but it's kind of like a diamond to me. It never loses its luster. And to step into the story is to step into a story that has wondrous miracles. God has placed the divine seed in Mary's virgin womb. And he now plants an idea in Caesar's mind that will begin to turn the giant wheel of world events. We know this is no mere coincidence. The world packs up, and the world moves. At this authoritative word of Augustus, who wants to register his subjects for tax purposes, because that's what government does. Well, that's what the news outlet reports anyways, but we know the true story. God's moving the world to deliver a very special package to Bethlehem, the place where the prophet Micah prophesied the Savior, the Messiah would be born. And we read in verses four through five of chapter two about Joseph and Mary that they're engaged. It means they're officially married. It just has not been consummated yet. And of the sea of citizens that are making their way out to register, Luke focuses on one travel-weary couple. And what strikes me is the subtle movement of these verses. From the throne room of Caesar to the teeming masses returning to one unknown man and woman and to an unborn child hidden in the darkness of his mother's womb who would have imagined that such an ordinary wrapping would be for God's most precious gift and we read about this miraculous ver- this birth in verses 6 through 7 it seems like for century these two verses has filled the minds of poets artists authors songwriters as they try to capture this moment it's a remarkable moment and perhaps the best writing I've ever found on is by one of my favorite authors, Ken Geyer. And he paints the story the way it was meant to be painted without all the halos and without all the glitz. These are his words. By the time they arrive, the small hamlet of Bethlehem is swollen from an influx of travelers. The inn is packed, people feeling lucky if they were able to negotiate even a small space on the floor. Now it's late, everyone's asleep, and there's no room. But fortunately, the innkeeper's not all shekels and mites. True, his stable's crowded with his guest animals, but if they could squeeze out a little privacy there, they were welcome to it. Joseph looks at Mary, whose attention is concentrated on fighting a contraction. We'll take it, he tells the innkeeper without hesitation. And the night is still when Joseph creaks open the stable door, and as he does, a chorus of barn animals make discordant note of the intrusion. The stench is pugnant and human. As they have been many hours in the day to tend to guests, let alone the livestock, a small oil lamp lent them by the innkeeper flickers to dance shadows on the walls. It's a disquieting place for a woman in the throes of childbirth, far from home, far from family, far from what she had expected for her firstborn. But Mary makes no complaint. It is just a relief to finally get off the donkey. She leans back against the wall, her feet swollen, back aching, contractions growing stronger, and closer together. Joseph's eyes dart around the stable. Not a minute to lose. Quickly, a feeding trough would have to do for a crib. Hay would serve as a mattress. Blankets? Blankets? Ah, oh, his robe. That would do. And those rags hung to dry over, over, overhead would help. Just then, a gripping contraction doubles Mary over and sends him racing for a bucket of water. A scream from Mary nice through the calm of that silent night. Joseph returns, breathless, Water sloshing from the bucket. Sweat pours from Mary's contorted face as Joseph, the most unlikely midwife in all Judea, rushes to her side. The involuntary contractions are not enough and Mary has to push with all her strength. Joseph places a garment beneath her and with a final push and a long sigh, her labor is over. The Messiah has arrived. I think that paints it pretty well. And perhaps the couple stammered when they tried to speak the M word, Messiah. Here, wrapped in fabric, was the Messiah who had been the subject of prophecy, dreams, and songs for over a thousand years. It must have been hard to imagine such a magnificent personification when they looked at the sleeping infant. This infant, the Son of God. Why, it's indescribable. What a gift. And we see a series of responses. I'm just enamored with the, the persons involved in this story. And it seems like for a few cherished moments, Joseph and Mary have the baby all to themselves. But Scripture gives us a peek into other responses as people find this indescribable gift wrapped in a piece of cloth. Verses 8-12 through tell us a response, and we don't often think of angels in this way, but they responded. They were sent. We're told in Peter that angels long to look into the story of redemption. In other words, they're scratching their halos or whatever they scratch, okay? They're they're looking at God's plan of redemption and going, seriously? (laughs) I mean, mean, this is how the gift came. And so we see these angels in verse 8 through 14. They're all over this account. In the holy temple, Zechariah saw the angel first. Then Mary beheld an angel in her room. Joseph in a dream. Now the angel, perhaps Gabriel appears to the shepherds in the field, ablaze with an unearthly light. Where's this royal child who sends these angelic messengers? He's lying in a feeding trough. The angels came and they had to announce a message they probably did not comprehend themselves. And so they bring the greatest message ever given to man. These angels seem to occupy an important role in the story and we kind of tend to forget their thoughts about this whole thing. Perhaps because we're not likely to ignore news given by such spectacular guests is why they were sent. And we read about a sky show which displayed by God full of surprises. Verse thirteen through fourteen tells us really, and suddenly suddenly there appeared in the sky. Sky itself split open, and like a fall of a thousand stars, light poured down by the presence of angelic messengers, uninhibited and rejoicing. It reminds me, surely there are angels at work even this very moment telling people that God is moving and exploding in heaven. And how do the angels respond to all this? They worshiped. matter of fact, we're even told in verse 13, a multitude of heavenly hosts began praising God that's a good response towards the gift that's a good one to model isn't it one of worship that came from the angels then we read about these shepherds verse 15 through 18 with hearts full of hope these shepherds speak to each other now considering shepherding was an occupation many needed but no one desired life around a sheep lended itself to tired feet long work shifts unwanted aroma Probably quiet and lonely. Think about the shepherd's job. Their job was to watch the sheep sleep. Pretty exciting, huh? And to them, a good night was a quiet night. Because a quiet night meant that there were no wolves or no attacks on the sheep, there were no wandering sheep. They wanted a tranquil night, they wanted a quiet night. I love these shepherds. We don't know their names, they're nowhere in the Bible. Yet whatever their names were, they've graced the greatest guest list for the most joyful moment in human history had yet contained. I like the clues given to these shepherds. Verse 12, the message is given to them. First of all, the angel's got to stop their knees from knocking. He said, don't be afraid, guys. Okay, i got good news for you. This news is so good, it's going to be great joy for all people. And this will be a sign, verse 12. Here's the sign. Here's the sign you're going to find this great joy. Now, if I'm a shepherd waiting for a sign, I'm waiting for something very majestic. That's not the sign. The sign is you're going to find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And that one verse seems to be and set the tone for the entire life and message of Christ. And God brought a delegation of shepherds to be the first to see and worship the Christ child. This child would grow to be one who entered the homes of despised tax collectors, known sinners, outcasts of society. Is it any wonder then that God highly favored some shepherds? And all these shepherds, they make me want to think more about them and more about them even more. This is such an amazing story because divinity entered the world on the floor of a stable through the womb of a teenager, in the presence of a carpenter, with the worship of bewildered shepherds. Yeah, God comes in surprising ways. He comes to common people in common ways and transforms it. We also know something else about these shepherds. and It's not only that they, they worshipped and wondered, because we're told they did wonder, but they're also really the first evangelists. They go and tell people about what they saw and what they wondered about. I like these shepherds. What a great response they had. Then there's Mary. This is a staggering thought to consider Mary. Verse 19 says Mary treasured up all these things. What things? All the things we just read about. Pondering them in her heart. Now, if you go to chapter one, verse 26 through 35, this is pre-birth. So this is what's told Mary before the baby comes. This is this is pretty heavy for a teenage girl to ponder. Now, Julia Ahmet, I'm not going to embarrass you. Could you just stand really quick? Just, just up and down, please. I promise I won't go anymore. Just quick up and down. Like so quick no one will... There, okay, that's Mary. Okay, that's about the age of Mary. That's heavy for a teenage girl. And if you're a teenage girl, try to place yourself here and imagine these words spoken to you Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 35. Here's what's spoken to her. Now in a sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord's with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept wondering what kind of salutation this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bear a son, you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. That's heavy. That's heavy for a teenage girl to take in. I wonder how often she replayed those words in her mind. And in the midst of the angels, in the midst of the shepherds, Scripture gives us a peek at Mary's thoughts. She pondered these things. It means she wondered about them. She thought about them. She reflected on them. As she stares at the newborn, can you imagine the thoughts went through her mind? Should she nurse him or worship him? She did both because he appeared both hungry and holy. Can you imagine the thoughts that went through Mary's mind? As she stared at this newborn, the baby's eyelids, cheeks, eyes as deep and soft as a starlit night, and those little hands and feet, little did she realize that those hands and feet would be pierced one day as this baby would be crucified as a man. Little did she realize this tiny mouth would summon the dead out of the grave. Little did she know. No wonder Mary looked with wonder. No wonder she looked with amazement. This would be her posture really for all of Jesus' life. Just pondering, just wondering. Now, I noticed a progression in each of these encounters. A message came. The people believed. They witnessed. They reflected. And they worshiped. Let me say that again. Let me ask you is this how you approach this gift this Christmas? As you. Approach and respond to this most indescribable gift. Do you do what the angels and the shepherds and Mary do? The message came. They believed it. They witnessed it. They reflected upon it. They proclaimed it. And then they worshipped. Is that how you've responded? They wondered and they pondered. They had the capacity to wonder. Do you? And I think sometimes maybe we need to once again learn to take off our feet our shoes on holy ground. And with wonder, once again, look at the beauty of this story. And think beyond just the all really, really nice ornaments and the really nice decorations. And, and instead of just giving a fleeting glance, we truly stand and wonder at God becoming a man. Do you and I have the capacity to wonder... May God expand it. To reflect upon all God has done and is doing. To believe God will act according to His promises. In the days ahead, many are going to peek at Jesus. Many will outright reject Him, that's for sure. Soon, as uh, Mayfield's told us, Simeon and Anna and Magi will worship this child. But this Christmas, I encourage you not to glimpse but to gaze. Don't set this gift aside. Embrace this most indescribable gift. And ask God to help you to see with wonder once again. And what you see in wonder, and what we see with wonder, might it cause us to worship. A man once told this story. He says the day was frighteningly cold with whirls and swirls of snow in the air. I was looking out the living room window, which faces the church. Workmen had just finished concocting and building and constructing the annual nativity scene in the churchyard. And when school let out for the day, the children gathered excitedly around the nativity. But they didn't stay long, but it was very cold, too cold to linger. All the children took a quick look at the manger scene and hurried away, except for a tiny girl of about six. The wind lashed at her bare legs, caused her coat to fly open in the front, but she was oblivious of the weather. She was captivated by the manger scene, and all her attention was riveted on the statues before her. Which one, I couldn't tell, but I suspected which one. And then I saw a beautiful and poignant moment. I saw her remove her blue woolen headscarf, The wind quickly knotted her hair into a wild tangle, but she didn't seem to notice that either. She had only one thought. Lovingly, she wrapped her scarf around the statue of the baby Jesus. After she'd covered it, she patted the baby and kissed him on the cheek. Satisfied, she skipped on down the street. Her hair frosted with tiny diamonds of ice. And as I watched it's that I realized that Christmas had come once again. Many will be like school children who take a quick look. But I'm calling us to be those who linger and who wonder and who gaze intently at the Christ child. That you and I would respond like the angels and the shepherds in Mary. we look with wonder and it would cause us to worship and we, too, would respond with a gift, an act of love, a kiss of worship, and an expression of offering. How will you respond to this indescribable gift this Christmas? Let's pray. Lord, as we gather this morning, I, I don't know about my brothers and sisters and my friends here, but when I ponder this indescribable gift of God becoming a man. It seems so great that maybe my songs aren't sufficient, I wonder. Maybe the little expressions of gifts I give, they don't seem sufficient enough for such an indescribable gift. I've got to confess, Lord, Lord, I... I look at the shepherds and I look at Mary and Joseph. I tend to look at them, God, as some people who have it all together. Some real Hollywood types. But yet as I read the accounts in Luke, I find out they're ordinary people, common people. And that common, ordinary people and common, ordinary Events are moments of miracles from heaven. Lord, I want to bring an offering. I believe you out there this morning want to bring an offering. God, I pray that this Christmas, as we consider the Christmas story, you capture us. Lord, you give us once again a capacity to wonder that the familiar would not become a hurdle, but that indeed the Christmas story would become unfamiliar again. Because it so completely blows our minds. Lord, please, help us as Your people to look with wonder. And might our response be one of worship. Because You are worthy of it all. And so this morning, This Christmas season, I pray we join the angels, we join the shepherds, we join Mary. And we would worship You. Christ our King. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.